The biggest thing about entrepreneurship at a very early stage is getting you into some form of momentum. So mm -hmm. in those clearing, I'm interested in where you look at a mental side first and how tap mental would say, look, let's diagnose this. And then this is the mental block. How are ways that you get to that piece? The Mold Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back with another episode of the Moved Entrepreneur Evolved podcast. Super excited for our next guest. Now, this episode was brought to you by Moved30.com, the transformational program for entrepreneurs that are looking to get into momentum fast. Our guest today is good old David Goodall with Tap Mental. What's up, man? Not much. How's it going? I'm excited to be here. I'm pumped. Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to have you here too. We've we've had a couple conversations just back and forth and social and stuff like that. And so yeah. I think uh I think it's really cool, man. So um I'm gonna dive right into this. I know that yeah. you had talked a little bit about entrepreneurial spirit and and some of those things. And let's kind of go back to kind of what we were talking a little bit back in the in the green room there. And we were talking about how the transition of how you went into started working with like local businesses or not local business, but the heartbeat of America businesses utilizing your tap mental process, but there was an original, original story behind that. So maybe you can show that. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't go as deep. I'll give you a little more deep background now, but I was always that classified tree climber kid. You know, I probably would have been put on ADHD meds today back in the seventies when I was born, but I grew up in my, you know, in my grandfather's countertop manufacturing plant back in Columbus, Ohio. And, and, um, he just, he had that entrepreneur spirit, right? And I was like his right-hand man up, up until I was like eight or nine and he, he passed away, unfortunately. But I think that planted the seed in me. Like the heartbeat of America is that guy that rolls up his sleeves and goes to work and empowers teams and, and supports communities. You know, that's, and, um, you know, on my journey, I was not such a good student, but, you know, I figured it out. You know, I was undiagnosed dyslexic, so took me a long time to realize that I was gifted with dyslexia because I see here and feel things that neurotypical people don't. Um, and I think that's given me an edge and a gift. So what, what would be some of those things? Uh, interesting. Uh, what would be some of those things that maybe you describe? Yeah. So for a lot of people, they think there's just processes they take. And I, you know, I was like, I'm slow to get, but quick to master. So like, sometimes when <laughs> I see things, I don't see things as, as typical people would, you know, dyslexics, they think it's, flipping of letters but it's really it's it's a processing thing we you know i i need to see every step you know and, I, and, it, and it's from a dyslexic perspective i have an outside looking in um and for example for me going through school i, I my, my reading comprehension was crap because i wanted to know how to sound out every word i wanted to know the details on everything mm -hmm. later on i learned that audiobooks i can create pictures in my head by hearing someone read it to me if i had to read it i did i couldn't process it but what it gave me is this ability to visualize and conceptualize things quicker than other people because I did everything mm. in pictures. Mm. You know, I, again, I, I don't know how everybody else does it, but I know everybody has a translation of a see, hear, and feel. But at mm. a very young age, I was forced to visually conceptualize things, and I got really good at it and really quick at it. What were um, what are some of those things that you do? Like uh, I'll share with you a little. So um, one of the things that I would say that I'd say, oh man, I was gifted with this thing. I don't know if it's like gifted. My dad spoke a lot and things like that. But <laughs> if I if I get in front and speak with people, if somebody can kind of say this is what we're going to talk about, I can chunk it out in about five or six words, and then I can make it happen in a speech. Like I don't need to really write it out to be able to do that. 
So what are some of those things that you talk about with dyslexia that maybe, do you chunk things? Do you chunk yeah, them? So I, Is there... I, I chunk out, I go out and then back in. So um, I'm trying to figure out what exactly you're looking for. From when I'm working with a client or some of the early understandings of how I did it. Yeah, no, yeah, even yourself. I think that the, the importance is there's probably people who are just like yourself and, and and there's other people that are don't maybe aren't like that and the value of probably being able to understand how that brain works brings yeah. probably people together in relationships. So maybe there's So what what comes to mind it keeps coming back, you know, what I'm picturing is like when I was in high school and I was told I was a horrible student, you know, I was like a 1.4 GPA and I was taking math class and I understood, you know, I liked math. But I wanted to understand conceptually, how, where do we use it? You know, why am I learning this? So I, I'm like, I'm big into efficiency. Don't waste my time. If I'm going to mm. learn something, I want to know where it goes, how to use it, what, what's, how does it work, and how does it benefit me? Um, I was, I graduated in the '80s, so car stereos were starting to come into play. So this is where I was like, oh wow, I love the car stereo system, electronics. My dad was an onboard electrician for the C-130s in Vietnam, so I was always tinkering with stuff. But I learned math quickly. Math create volume. Volume, you can create um, subwoofer boxes. Oh, there's mathematical equations that I love that I can create a box. Oh, now I know dimensions. Now I know how to tune the frequency waves. Oh, if I want to get my stereo to be louder or deeper or more bass, I could leverage the math. So when, when I was learning math in school, I quickly connected the dots that math can create and influence my hobby that I could be the cool kid with the loudest car stereo in high school based on learning this one thing in school. So it's like most people Still came make down to status, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we all do, right? Um, totally. <laughs> but it was How one does of those that things... make me look better? I'll go through all these processes to get that. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then I had the loudest car pulling into the high school mm -hmm. parking lot, but I, mm -hmm. I was able to connect the dots, but yeah. don't have me write a paper because I would have no idea or no clue because it didn't matter to me. I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know why it was important. Yeah, I always look at those little things as like your path. What are your pathways to be being a lion in the room? What are your things that every once in a while, you know, you don't have to be the lion. There's many lions around. Right. So like when you learn your thing, you just got to be a little lion in your little and your little, uh, you know, jungle. That's all you need is that little spot. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I think you had mentioned, I think that brings into something you'd done engineering as well, correct? So that yeah. took you into an engineering profession. So that I was going to go architecture and my, my uh, architecture professor or teacher in, in high school was like, you know, hey, you got the math. I see you got the vision. He says, but, but your, your drawing skills is probably not where it needs to be. And I was thinking mechanical, but then I reflected back on my dad, you know, being the electrician in Vietnam and all the stuff that I had worked. We'd done a bunch of telephone work together and I'd always helped my dad. So my senior year, they threw me into electrical class, electrical engine, like an electric uh, electrician class in high school. And I aced it and loved it. And I applied for an engineering, um, electrical engineering program. And I ended up getting a bachelor's in science and engineering, which is weird because the principal was kicking me out with a 1.3 GPA. And then I went and got, you know, on honors two or three times and with a B average out of engineering plus working full time. Um, yeah. So engineering that, is the path I took. <laughs> yeah. And so that, so that parlayed into positions that, um, supported where we are kind of getting into, you know, tap mental, um, yeah. what were some of the things that had brought you to this point? Um, by those experiences, uh, I think you'd mentioned there was two or three different things you combine for tap mental. So what, what, what are the ingredients to that? Yeah. So 
what I learned on my journey was, you know, I, I became obsessed by learning about Nikola Tesla, Albert mm. Einstein, which led into uh, Elon Musk, you know, the first principle thinking. So engineering, I learned that problems could be solved. How is that a problem? How is that a problem? How is that a problem? I don't know if you're familiar with first principle thinking, but you look at the problem we're seeing and asking how that is a problem until you get down to the root problem, right? There's always a root cause to the problem that you and I see. And it's not usually not the problem in front of us. It's usually five to 10 layers deeper, right? So, um, so you ask for, so you ask the, the, so you ask the big question and then you go, how did that go? And then you break it down each piece. Then you, yeah. You just keep going. First principle thinking is down to the root of the problem. Mm -hmm. um, I love to use the example of, you know, Tesla car company. People think he solved the problem for the electrical car. It was actually derived from a battery problem. Why don't we have electrical cars? Because we don't have batteries. Tesla car company was actually a, um, an evolution of the battery company he created out of Nevada. So his patents on the battery, not the car, the, the Tesla car is actually an open source engine. I think he was Nikola saying Tesla. something. Yeah. I think his story was something like it was, I saw it on a meme or something. He was like, just so everybody knows they had no uh, blueprints. They had no frameworks. They had nothing. And he bought this company and it right. like, had, he's like, it had nothing. <laughs> I was laughing. I was like, That's just well, your ego. Right? I mean, yeah. Well, the Tesla car came from Nikola Tesla's uh, electrical motor. That was an mm -hmm. open source. Right. So mm -hmm. he didn't invent that. His invention, his patents is on, on the battery, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So what I learned on my journey is everything is energy. Being an electrical engineer, I always had this intuition, this empathy, this, this, I could read people really quick. With dyslexia, I, you had, I had to learn how to read people really quick. I could read triggers. I can see when they're happy, when they're sad, when they're mad. And I just learned quickly how to read a room and how to not get in trouble or to get what I wanted, right? Just from an energetic perspective. That was another mm -hmm. gift I got from dyslexia. So, um, I don't when know did you find that out? It was weird. I probably found it at a younger age, but like I, I said earlier, being that tree climber and full of energy, I, I suppressed mm. it. I suppressed it until yeah. I got married and had kids. And then that big kid came out of me when I became a father. Cause I was like, Oof. life kind of sucks in corporate America when people are telling you what to do, how mm -hmm. to do it, when to do it. And I was like, I recognized all the gifts that I had given was given. And when I was laid off five years ago, I was like, no, I'm going to go back and be a big kid. <laughs> yeah. And so it, at that point, um, was that the transition that the concept of tap mental had been created? Is it a, at a point of transition? Yeah. So, um, that was a great question. So me being dyslexic, my baby girl, uh, she's going to be 16 this December, is dyslexic. And my oldest daughter, who's about to turn 18, has been diagnosed autistic. So uh, neuroatypical just ran through my household. My, my wife, who's an honor student in honors classes, was the 4.0 GPA. I am the dumb one <laughs> in my mind <laughs> from an academic perspective. And I remembered all the negativity, self, negative self-talk that I had acquired through my journey through education. And it was ironic because my wife had so much fear to be that honor student 4.0. It was such a, an imprint on her that we found this middle ground together. I was like, hey, when we raise kids, I don't want them to feel stupid. But I also don't want to have this pressure of you, you are judged by the grades, by the, the challenges in an academic Interesting. Setting. So tap mental is... What I, what I learned on my journey is we have 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 
90% of those thoughts are derivative of yesterday. Those thoughts that were derived from yesterday, they're on repeat, right? 90% of our daily thoughts are on autopilot from our unconscious mind. Our unconscious mind is programmed by the age of seven. There's an old saying, give me the child before the age of seven, I'll give you back the man. So our values, our beliefs, our strategies are basically the rooted and programmed by the age of seven. Mm -hmm. So tap mental is if you could tap into your mental programming to identify the strategies or behaviors that are blocking you from exactly what you want. Would you want to go take a peek and alter to make things easier? Mm -hmm. So that's now is this, um, what are your thoughts on hypnosis? That's what I went back and got a master's certification in hypnosis, mental emotional release, neuro linguistics programming. I so I learned, homework. do I, I did, you I did, did your homework. homework. Yeah, you did. That's good stuff. Yeah. So what I do is I meet my clients right where they are. Right. And to impact any change, I came up with like a three-step process. I didn't come up with it. It's just what I have identified in success with my clients. Conscious awareness is step one. What is it? What's the outcome you're not liking? Right. And I want you to be aware that you're a contributor to the creation of the outcome. Mm -hmm. Right. It's your fault, but yet not your fault. If your programming is locked in by the age of seven, would you trust the seven-year-old version of yourself making the decisions you make every day? Most of my clients will say, hell no, I was an idiot yeah. at seven. Great. You wouldn't have enough information to make a decision. Yeah. <laughs> right. But our strategies and behaviors are rooted in that seven-year-old version or younger than you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So tell me the outcome you're getting. Do you like it? Great. What's the strategy or behavior you're using to get there? If we were to dissect it with the first principle thinking going, hey, if that problem goes from this, these steps, what would be a new possibility? And hypnosis all is, is, is allowing you, and I see that you do meditation, Meditation allows you to get in the theta state. Theta state is where our unconscious resides. If yeah. you take a new process into your theta state, meditation, hypnosis, language patterns, however you want to look at it, you can alter the strategy or behavior using today to a new one for a different outcome. And then with neuroscience today, we create a new pathway. You do that over and over until it's locked into the new highway in your brain. Okay. Um, could we pick one? Like how, like, could you choose an example, like something that somebody was trying to do? Cause I yeah. believe in a lot of this, this is like, I think that the greatest it's kind of, they say like uh, compound interest is the greatest, you know, yeah. greatest, so, greatest in the world is I think that repetition is the greatest um, uh, solution to anything that you want. However, I always say if it's 10,000 hours to mastery, you don't need to be 10,000 hour mastery to go and utilize that right. skill set or subject. You know, you might only need 20. <laughs> yeah. Well, a lot of it is you just need to get started. I use an analogy with a lot of my clients. Like I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And it's, and it's kind of like if you're driving down the highway in the fast lane during a winter storm, right? The fast lane is probably going to be the easiest lane to drive in because that's the lane that everybody's driving in, Right. So if you're constantly in the, in, the, in the fast lane because it's the easiest lane to drive in because of snow, it's a pain in the ass, you know, hey, I want to get off at this exit. Well, the exit probably hasn't been driven on as much as the fast lane. In order to get off, I'm going to have to slow down, take my time and get off, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I'll but tell you what, if 50 to 100 cars get off at that same fast lane, you're going to be able to take that exit ramp a hell of a lot quicker than if you're the first one to take it. Mm -hmm. So what I heard you say there, repetition is just saying, hey, I got to create a new thought, a new mm -hmm. process. The first time, ooh, it's like that first push-up. 
<laughs> it might be hard. But by, after you did it the hundredth time, you're like, oh, that's just the new pattern. And think about it. If you get off of the exit ramp and the snow is falling still, that fast mm -hmm. lane is going to fill with snow again. No longer mm -hmm. traveling. Right? So a lot of times what I have the ability with my gift is I'll have a client that will come to me and they're like, hey, this is the outcome. We'll just dissect the process. So I had a client that's constantly chasing, for example, I, it's, it's ironic, not ironic, but I have a lot of young clients, 22 to 32-ish, right? What do you think the number one problem is, entrepreneurs, 22 to 33? What area of life do you think they're, they're focused on? Oh, it's status. It's gotta be. Intimate relationships. Huh. They're, they're starving for them? Or they, they are they, naturally. They don't know how to attract them. them. They don't know how to navigate them. They don't know how to manage them. They haven't developed the strategies or the skills. Think of that age range. They've been in one of these. You know, it's. Um, I'm sure, some people can relate, but it was like at the age of twenty-two or whatever. I mean, I was in the club every night. Right. You know, and all you're doing, you're bumping into people that you're like, I shouldn't be around that one. Oh, I should be around that person or that guy doesn't seem like he's safe right. or punch him. <laughs> what I heard you say there was an energetic connection. You had this intuitive mm -hmm. instinct mm -hmm. of good people, yeah. bad people. You get a generation of people growing up in electronics. They don't know how to read that energetic profile. You know people. what? This is really interesting conversation. This brings up an interesting topic. Yeah, okay. this is a good one. So this actually goes with business owners as well, because I think that I've always kind of sometimes dealt with this one more often. I like to probably deal with, but I think that like coming from a separate era that comes from, if you say that to me, you might get smacked and, and, and having somebody that's in front of you, sarcasm really doesn't go really well with somebody who doesn't want your sarcasm and somebody that looks you right in the face and says, can you explain what you mean? And all of a sudden it shuts off. You have a total shift in conversation and the person gets embarrassed and like, I wasn't trying to be a jerk, but you kind of, so you kind of play that little card. When you deal with what we're doing with now, and we talk about these phones and we talk about messenger, I still, <laughs> I still get triggered on these guys. Sometimes somebody will say something. And I'm like, look in here, asshole. Like you would not say that to my face. And I still, right. though I try to mature and Jason's a much different person than he used to be, but still, I am still have this trigger. Like you, where do you think that I'm like, where do you think that would be okay? And, I, and, and so what I'm getting at <clears throat> is there's a generation that doesn't have that twitch of like Mike Tyson says, everybody should get hit once or so. Or, <laughs> right. you know, I, maybe that's what you say, but it's, Mike Tyson really is, you know, you, don't, you only have a plan until you get hit. But the storyline story where I'm getting at is where do you think that's going to affect the way that we do business? Because we can't, it, I think this is going to be like a pimple. We're going to get popped eventually. We need each other. Oh, 100%. You know, it, it's the older ones, the older clients I have, that 28 to 38. They're, I guess I don't know if they're classified the millennials. They, they have a lot more difficulty of understanding. My clients that are under 26 and younger, I've got a kid that's 21, been arrested twice. Um, just, you know, he was the jock football player. He got, you know, the second time after being arrested, he's like, I got to figure something out. We've been working together with him for sales strategies. I, <laughs> they're hungry. Like these under 26 year olds are like, I know I'm effed up, 
like I know there's something wrong with me and you know, I want to figure it out because I want to get this resolved quickly. Mm. And, and so like this, I've got this 21 year old kid. He went from basically living in the street after being arrested. He's now running the sales division for a marketing digital marketing agency. He was trying to set goals to make it $50,000 a month. In a six-month time, clearing up his bull crap, getting his emotional intelligence increased, letting go of all of his baggage and his limiting beliefs, and we put sales strategies in place. He's closing. One day I showed up. He had closed $90,000 in deals before lunch. Before lunch. It was funny. In the early days, he was like, dude, I can't even make $90,000 in a month. And I'm like, well, what's your goal? He's like, $100,000. i am like, well, that's how the unconscious works. Once we get... 90% towards our goal, we kind of take our foot off the gas because we, we, we lose that motivation. It's, it's kind of how our ego's designed. I'm like, what could get you over the, the 100,000? He goes, I'll just set the goal to 200,000. I'm like, okay, do that. Within two weeks, he, he had come to me and he's like, dude, I, I just closed $180,000. His goal originally was 100, we set it to 200. He got serious about it, got rid of the, the baggage and he, you know, he's taking action every day and people surprise me. <laughs> a lot of stuff goes around with something they call clearing know much yeah. about that clearing. maybe you can share a little bit about what that is so clearing is just the, the limiting beliefs right we you know if i consider everything as energy right we've got these negative self-talks these these belief systems right i know you wanted me to get personal about something i didn't share with a lot of people so <laughs> i watched the pre the pre-show so i'll share this with you and a lot of my people so I, one of my biggest struggles was coming from a household of money stories right? Money doesn't grow on trees. Who do you think you are? We, we can't afford that. I heard that all growing up. And then I'll remember I was in second grade. Um, dyslexic. I struggled with reading comprehension. I struggled with spelling things. It just didn't come easy to me. And I remember standing in front of the class. I had to write a sentence on the board. And I had to write the word, the name John. And I remember there being an H in it, but I couldn't remember where it went. And I knew it was weird. Like it did. It didn't make sense to me. I spelled it wrong. The teacher decided to point it out in front of the whole class. Mm. Everybody laughed at me and right there, it's like, you're stupid. Don't, don't get attention on yourself. Just be quiet and sit in the back of the room. I made that decision in second and third grade. So if I reflect on that, I carried that with me all the way through my corporate America. So although I probably could have accelerated a lot more, I had that bag of bullshit story that I carried with me all along. Then you throw on top of my mom and dad's story, money doesn't grow on trees, all that other stuff. It's just trapped energy. It's just a trapped story. That's where and what would be a way to clear that. I think that's a super powerful thing for people. Yeah, that's timeline hypnosis. When did you create it? Why did you create it? There was a reason to protect yourself. You know, I'm in my 50s now. If I can go back and look at before it even happened, this is called mental emotion release. You get in before the event even happened on your timeline in that meditative theta state and recognize the truth that lies inside it. There was a lesson that we're supposed to acquire. I think, I think God, creator, universe, whatever you want to look at, puts obstacles in front of us to develop the muscles we need to get exactly what we're asking for. We're creators. We can create Ooh, and we say can that again. destroy. Say that again. I think God, universe, puts obstacles in front of us to give us the muscles we need to receive exactly what we ask for. That's interesting. I like that. So if I want X, I have to go through some ish <laughs> to develop the ability to receive it. Right? Yeah. I mean, go ahead. 
this is an interesting thing and talk about business owners and things like this. And um, there's always a saying that says it's a personal journey as a, as a business owner. It is. And I think that, um, and as I go through this whole process and like, I learn all these things all the, all the time, we see different entrepreneurs. I'm, you know, I go through my stuff all the time. It's this ain't no like pretty show all the time. It's like, what the heck, you know, you got to put in the grind, you, you know, you, you got to put that out. But I, I, my thing about, where there's a whole sector of entrepreneurs where I think there's a lot of value here is we have never been in a time where entrepreneurship was so spread out. So it was like either you owned the store down the street and then your family worked there and then you kind of were, you know, you had a job and then maybe you would, um, they, maybe you would uh, do an MLM on the side. Yeah. Right. But now what we've done is you're noticing an entire society that's going, I'm going into entrepreneurship. What do you think, which I think that's great, right? But if that muscle's not created, then you then you might have a society that's saying, I can never accomplish anything because there's so many of people doing it. What do you think that's happening on that? What do you think is gonna happen or the effects of that on a mental side? If I heard your question correctly, what I'm kind of hearing you is, is back in the day, the the methodologies to acquire wealth or to to acquire mm -hmm. an income or sustainability for your family was limited today it's almost like a free market open mm -hmm. if you got a good idea and someone's not willing to do it and you're willing to roll up your sleeves and you can make money at it do it right but the generational belief systems that's passed on to us right as I shared with you before, the stories my mom and dad told me about money. Mm -hmm. If I don't get that cleared up, I don't care how much money I want to attract. If I can't overcome that belief system, I can attract wealth, but I'm going to lose it because that old unconscious operating system is going to go back and it's going to find evidence to prove that's true. So, but here's what's ironic through this whole thing. Can I share an example with a client I had? Let's do it, man. Yeah, so I, I, had a client. I decided to, I set all the rules to the side. <laughs> I had a client come to me and he was 27 years old. I had spent a year working with his father and first call. He's like, yeah, my dad told me you're awesome. I, I'm, I'm willing to get some growth. I know I need to get through some mental programming, blah, blah, blah. He's like, I own an Amazon store and my goals in five years, I want to sell it for 4 million. And here's me. I, I had worked with a couple of Amazon store owners and I'm like, selling your, an Amazon store for five months? And I'm sitting there going, sure, whatever, kid. All right, I'll work with you. We'll figure this out. Sure enough, we went through the strategies and he altered my way of thinking up to what's possible. Right? My belief system was you can't sell a store. Sure enough, in two years, he and his partner sold their, their Amazon store for $4.5 million. And at 29, he put $1.2 million in the bank cash proved me wrong. That was my belief system. So now I'm starting to recognize, huh, this entrepreneurship is something like there's people making money, lots of money every day. Once they break through their bullcrap stories and they build the mental stability to, to receive it, manifestation happens quick. Mm -hmm. I've taught my kids this stuff mm -hmm. <laughs> and it drives me crazy because now I kind of like have to come to me and they're like, this is what's going to happen. And I want to say, there ain't a way in hell that's going to work. And just sh shut your mouth. Let's see what happens. My kids create the most amazing opportunities. It blows me away. Absolutely blows me away. There's an interesting thing. And this is, I think that this is just the, 
the iceberg here a really interesting one and it says you know put sing, put something out there visualize it write it down and then let it go and don't control it and and there's like the but i don't know why we can't do that <laughs> Well, I mean, I heard someone, I, I find myself on the self-help side of TikTok and I, and I love because I get little nuggets all the time. And I know this is cliche and repetitive. And we probably all heard it. 1% of the world's society owns 96% of the wealth. 1% of the world's population has a handwritten goal on a piece of paper in their pocket that they read five times a day. There's no coincidence. Oh, what is that? Tesla's 369 theory? Yeah. You know, yeah. my, my daughter has been playing, my youngest daughter, dyslexic, had a coach tell her she was too stupid to catch for him. And, you know, I kept asking her, I said, what, do you, what is your goal? She's, you know, and by eighth grade, she was playing with 18-year-olds, national travel for college recruiting. She played against a team that she, they got their, their asses stomped on. She's like, Dad, will I ever be good enough to play on that team? I was like, write it down. Is that what you want? She's like, that's what I want. And literally within five months, she guest played for that team and is now one of the starting catchers. And we travel this year. We're going to Tennessee, Virginia Beach, Denver, Colorado. She's a freshman in high school playing against the best of the best. She's like, Dad, I think I want Florida State or Florida. She's like, I want a D1, Alabama, SEC, something. I was like, I'm not going to get in your way. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, if that, I'll just ride this wave, right? And here's to add to that. Two years ago, you said, hey, are you going to take your daughter to Colorado? I'm like, we don't have the money for that. We don't just hop on a plane. Like now I just like, all right, that's what she wants. This is, I want her to get what she wants. Universe. You saw the picture on Facebook of my truck, right? Yeah. My yeah. wife's like, you've been wanting the truck. You had that truck before the kids. You've sacrificed. You've put yeah. your kids through private school. She's like, go buy your truck and see what happens. Literally within two weeks, my business doubled. So let's Explain get into that. that a little bit because I think, <laughs> well, this is a really interesting conversation because I yeah. think that, and I, I, I think that this conversation um, should not be overlooked, yet it is. And I think it's because when you dive into things, you have a natural way of wanting to fix them. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to fix them with either skills that you don't have or resources you don't even have and you keep trying and you just do it the wrong way. So how, <laughs> the biggest thing about entrepreneurship at a very early stage is getting you into some form of momentum. So mm -hmm. in those clearing, I'm interested in where you look at a mental side first and how tap mental would say, look, let's diagnose this. And then this is the mental block. How are ways that you get to that piece? Yeah. That? So what I, what I heard you say in there is the definition of insanity, mm -hmm. doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. I noticed most of my questions I'm trying to figure out at the same time I'm asking you. Yeah. Well, here's the deal, right? So we start, it's funny. Every client comes to me as a business coach consultant, right? I've got 22 years in services industries. My clients were Apple, Walmart, Chevron, mm -hmm. BP. I've worked with the big dogs. I've been in the trenches. 24, $24 million annual contracts. Great. First question I ask is on scale of 10, 1 to 10. Where's your career? What's your money stories? Scale of 1 to 10. Where's your family? Where's your relationships with intimacy? How are you focused on your personal growth? Tell me about your health and fitness. Tell me about your, your spirituality. We scale all that. And the one that's the lowest, I'm like, that's the biggest distractor in your business. 
until that one area out of the six is resolved or at least stable, it doesn't matter what you do. You, it's a distractor. I call it the ambulance running down the street. You and I are sitting here having a conversation and an ambulance drives by. You're going to be like, what's, you know, we're going to rubberneck, right? Yeah. yeah. If you're trying to run a business and you and your wife or girlfriend are having issues, you're taking that shit to work with you. Man, that is, that should be talked about so much more, man. People don't realize how much it being an entrepreneur, business, business owner, being a go-getter, what the heck you're doing. And if you got some of this, like, this is stupid, or this is the dumbest idea, or it's not going to work. It's never going to work. And it's like, that's hard, man. That's really, well, really hard. That's what I heard there is if you surround yourself by the negative Nellies, mm -hmm. the reason people say that crap is because they can't see themselves doing it. Hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. Right. If I'm sitting here with you, Jason, it's like, you know what? I got this great idea. I'm going to go do it. You're like, yeah, that's a stupid idea. I would never do that. But they don't know that, you know, the head of Sony, they don't know that you have the, you know, in for a podcast you can get on. They don't know that you have maybe what you have and why you have that vision. That's a really good point. Yeah. Most of the time, the, the naysayers will tell you no or nay, or you shouldn't do that because they themselves can't see themselves doing it. They're projecting their crap on you. So tapping into that, using that, um, what are some of the mental differences that you find when you sit down and you work with somebody from as a business owner, let's say, oh, I love it, twenty thousand or five million? What's repeat your question? So when you when you when you have an entrepreneur that's sitting at you know let's say twenty to, I would even I'd say that even chunk out even different, but. Um, Usually, I think up to a hundred thousand. I think up to three hundred thousand, and then after like five million, between those, there's different blocks that are there. I would assume. What are some of the ones that you're finding that are different blocks at those different stages? Um, I I don't know that there's really even different. There's no differences, right? Interesting. Yeah. Entrepreneurship's entrepreneurship. You know, I I, I had a client last week. He's like, Dave, I just want security. I'm like doesn't exist mm -hmm. be secure in who you are in your process you know here's a guy that's trying to get from i think he's trying to get from 350 to 600 and we're all track he's like but i just want security i'm like dude you've been in business you're the best of the best you're the guy that invented the shopify auction websites like you're killing it you set a goal we check in every week you, we track in the finances and you're getting it i just want security what if you lose a $30,000 contract and you get another one, he goes, oh, I can get two more. I'm like, there's your security. In your mind, you don't believe you can, but in your, but when you're sitting here telling me, you're like, oh yeah, I can do this, this, and this. This customer's pissing me off. I could fire them tomorrow and I can go get two more. Well, then do that. <laughs> so where's the security issue? It's in between the ears. A lot of us believe there's going to be this feeling, this ultra, this, once, once I have this, then I'll feel secure. Entrepreneurship, as you know, you're an entrepreneur. It doesn't really exist. The security exists in between the ears. Knowing what you're capable of, knowing that you're willing to roll up your sleeves, knowing, willing, knowing that you can network, like you just said earlier. How do I know that they don't have a connection with Sony? How do I know they don't have a podcast? Yeah. How do I know they can't? I can joint venture with this guy. You know, even one of the reasons I'm here today, I'm like, I'm looking at some of the stuff you do. I'm like, man, there's a connection here that I can send clients to you and vice versa. There's, there's some, there's. Everybody sure. I talk to is my network. My network is my net worth. Mm -hmm. And once I teach that to entrepreneurs, I'm like, I don't care who you talk to. 
figure out what the connection is. How can mm-hmm. you help them? And this is the way the universe works. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get it back tenfold. I, I can't explain that. It's it's proven. I mean, how much have you given and how much have you received based on your give? I do these podcasts and we're we're at like 60, six, I don't know, 60 something, 65, 66, you know. And I was telling someone when you're building a brand and we'll even do it here, we're only on episode 60, you know, and when you're building a brand, you're just going to have to suck it up and do this stuff for free. I mean, it's like, I literally just go out there create some value, but I know that if I keep doing this, that the parlay will catch up to itself because you finally, that's what I think that maybe in this conversation of people that are starting is that the one thing that you see the next person do is they've gone through the process more than once. Oh, and that's all you got to do. You got to get that shit over. Once you get over like one time, you're like, okay, I, I know what that next stage. And then you're chasing the freaking vein, the blood out of the vein. Right? Like, Just give it to <laughs> me on some shit. Yeah, well, that's That's great. where I was five years ago. I was walking through the neighborhood with my wife going, you know, I, I left a multi six figure job. And I'm like, I'm going to do this myself. And then after the first year, I'm like, what the F am I thinking? I've got bills mm-hmm. to pay. My girls are in private school. They're like... Like it just hit me like a freaking train and it's like, okay, wait, you survived a year. Like now I had to break through that logical mental programming. You survived a year. What's next? What's next? What's next? And I'll share another story with you. So we, we stop giving ourselves permission, right? So this is what I did. I left corporate America, multi six figure job. And I'm like, okay, vacations done cars done like i just i stopped giving myself permission on the the niceties because i'm going to build a business i'm like i'm tired of being told what to do i'm tired of the stresses i'm trying tired of some other someone else dictating when to eat when to go to the restroom you know what i mean just that Mm -hmm. whole corporate mindset so yeah I, i removed permissions on a lot of stuff in my life including my health and fitness right it's we're going to sacrifice yeah and then at what point you got to kind of figure out what's the finish line when I can get permission for that. Okay. Now, when can I get permission for that again? Okay. When do I get, so it was, it was after a year we took, we didn't take a summer vacation the year after that. I I now call it the love shack and actually my family loves it. We go out to sunset beach. I rent this house. It's on the canal. We can bring the dogs. It's 1970 shag carpet, but we're three houses from the beach. We got water in the backyard. We paddleboard. And, And I thought, I want to, I want to ball out. And this is like a crappy house and my family loves it. When can we go back to the canal dad? When can we go back to the canal? And it's the simplicities. It's like, okay, cool. That's normal. So now what's the next level? Now what's the next level? So my wife and I were talking last night. She's like, you know, I'd really, my oldest daughter races mountain bikes and she ended up just getting fourth fourth in the state. You know, should we use that? I'll be honest with you. That's the gnarliest sport out there. Oh my God. Like she wants to do downhill. Is it downhill? She does cross country. She oh, does, okay. she does cross country. Like, so she does like the not 12 that That's mile. not incredible. Let me not take right. that away from her at all. But yeah. I'm thinking those downhill mountain bikers, dude, like, can they come around those corners? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so like, and that's funny. I asked my daughter, I said, what was your, your fondest memory growing up as the family? She's like, I used to race mountain bikes up in Pisgah, not because I'm an amazing athlete. It's because I wanted to be on a trail out in Pisgah National Forest that was marked and I could drink a beer and be fed at the end of it and not get lost in the National Forest. But my daughters remember me doing the races and we'd rent a cabin for the weekend and the day after the race, we'd go hike the waterfalls and they'd put their Teva sandals on and their bathing suits and we'd, they'd run through waterfalls and we'd hike for days up in the mountains. Simplicity. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I think we all think we need this baller out lifestyle and all this, the simple things. You know, once we get the simple things and we normalize that, then we go to the next level. And, and the point I was trying to get across, my wife was like, well, will we ever be able to afford for Kennedy and I to go out to Arizona to do like winter training and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, look, San Lee's 45 minutes down the road. Pisca Forest is in three hours down the road. Well, West Virginia snowshoe is where the, the cross country nationals are, are every summer. When mm. have you visited any of those? Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to go down 45 minutes down the road to do that adventure, who's to say that the universe is going to open up putting your shit on a plane and flying 3,000 miles? That's next level stuff, right? Yeah. Conquer the, the little stuff and know that that's normal. That's normal. That's normal. Now the universe opens up the big doors. A lot of people Got think it. you come from here to the big door. No, you got to go from here, then to here, then to here. And then each step you normalize it. Yep, that's normal. That's where the security comes in, right? Once you make those little steps and you get that next level of security, you know, it's two things happen. I have some clients going, what if I lose it all tomorrow? I'm like, well, you got it once. Go get it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but what you know, one of the things that like jacks with your brain, almost like, um, almost like thinking about the word forever or something is that there is more than enough money. Tons. Like I still jacked with this one. You're like, Oh, you know, I'm, there's not enough. And you're like, there is so, and then <clears throat> I heard, um, Elon Musk, he said, he's all, all money is, is a database of information transferring back and forth. And I was like, well, you totally look at things different than me, but let me see how I could dissect that. <laughs> well, what, and I thought what it was is, so cool. What is money called today? Currency. And I'm not mm. a Latin language person, but my wife was. Think of the root currency, current. Mm. What is a current? It has to flow. Oh, dude, we're diving in here, if, man. If money is sitting still, it's getting stagnant and stinky and dirty and yucky. Your money has to work for you. It has to be moving. If I'm not investing in myself with someone else, who's going to invest in me? Wow, that's a really good one, If too. I'm not investing in a real estate property to someone to provide a place for someone to rent, how is that ever going to Like, these people that buy these multi-million dollar houses and let them sit, I'm like, it's getting stagnant. Like you gotta let the money flow. You gotta, you gotta. You think you think that'll end? You know, I live here in San Diego, and I live by the horse track over here. And Del Mar is um, yeah. pretty fancy, a little area. <laughs> so when you're over there, actually, Bill Gates has a house right there. He's building right now. All the neighbors are pissed off at him, but it's right around the corner, right here. And you go up and down these rows, and it's like it seems like over the last twenty years or whatever, you just go down to these, you know, beach. There's no one there. No one. Literally, it's like you go down the whole Del Mar and there's no one there. And even in the, the hype of the season, you're like, you know, you'd love to see you'd love to see 20 people in one house and it's falling over with kids and families and all those things. And it's just like, wow, man, where's all this going? <laughs> what are we doing? Right. Yeah, I thought it was, a, you know, those homes, I guess I went on a tangent on that. But I mean, it, you're right. It's just stuck money. It's 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 stagnant. It's stinking. It's stinking. You know, that's why, you know, maybe that's why my family loves when we go out to Sunset Beach and we, we 
we rent the love shack for a week, but there's families everywhere. You know, we got the, the wagon, you throw your beach stuff in and we're five houses from the beach, but the paddle boards in the backyard, there's people across the canal. I'm smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, shooting the crap with the guy across. And Hey, my kid just got his license and he's got the, he's driving the boat onto the dock. Like that's, that's, we're, we're tribal creatures. We're human beings that needs a tribe. We need to be around people. Like we're made to communicate Right. And yeah. yeah, but I think we have created the society and now I'm going to go down my soapbox here, but we've created the society of people stuck in their damn phones and it's all about the me world. And how do we get back to this, to connecting? You know, mm-hmm. I've got a sales team that does reach outs and puts people on zoom calls with me every week. And I'm like, look, I'm not here to sell you anything. My net worth is on my network. Like, who are you? What do you do? How do I support you? If there's a connection where I can think I can help you, then it's a sales conversation. But right now, who are you? What do you do? Who asks that these days? Not many people. Yeah. Most calls turn into, what can you do for me? Yeah, we're <laughs> definitely on the front end of things. We're not dating very well. We're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. that's what I was trying to share with you. I, I hired a company that did my website and, and all my CRM and all this other stuff. And it was a 21 year old kid. And I'm like, how are you going to get my website to convert into sales? He's like, you're looking at it wrong. Your website is your coffee date. Let me buy you a cup of coffee. You're not going to convert your website into sales. You want them to see, like, know, and trust you. They want you to go to your website. It needs to be appealing. They need to be some copy on there, maybe some testimonials. They'll get to know you. Then it's like, hey, man, I think I want a cup of coffee with you. I want a little bit, know a little bit more. And, and it, was, it was amazing to me to have a 21, 21, 22-year-old kid change my perspective of how this dating thing is when it comes to business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many people do yep. you know that says, can you get my website to convert? Convert to what? <laughs> Direct yeah. sales? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And put the numbers to that and everybody, you know, they, they all think, everybody thinks they have the newest website that's going to have, you know, all the numbers, but numbers are the same. 3% conversion ratio. When you get yourself to get somebody to drop, it's like, you're not going to change it. I need to get SEO. I need to get this. And I'm like, bro, just be you. And I know SEO works. It's the long game. There's tons of different strategies for marketing, but at the end of the day, who are you? I mean, the stuff I do is no different than Tony Robbins and it's the same thing. I, I study Dr. Joe Dispenza, Dr. Greg Braden, um, Bruce Lipton. The stuff I do it's the, it is no different than what's been passed into Think and Grow Rich, a book written back in the 30s. You know, it's, it's the same stuff, but you know what? It's my flavor. I've got my okay. spices, I've got my ingredients. And you know, I'm not gonna be everybody's cup of tea, but there's gonna be a lot of people going, man, he struggled in high school, he did this, he got a college degree, he's not an idiot, he's made some, amazing impacts on small businesses that has made a huge impact on communities. You know, I help, I help an 80 employee company go from 8 million to 20 million. You know what that does? Not just for the owner, but for all the employees, the community, the, mm-hmm. the like that it's currency, right? Money's got to flow. If I can help mm-hmm. someone double their revenue in a year's time to two years time, it's amazing. I used to always call that, I used to always call that the better Christmas. <clears throat> right. And I'd be like, yeah, it's like when you get staff and you get employees and you get team and then everybody's kind of Christmas kind of like everybody has a better Christmas because, yeah. you know, everybody, you do, the families do, everybody has one. So when things are running smooth, I dig this, man. I think that you're, you're, you're tapping into some 
you like that? Tapping. Um, <clears throat> but you are tapping into some things that I think is very important for people to understand. There's a lot of transitions. I think there's a lot of mental, I don't want to say mental health in the entrepreneurial world because I don't really want to try and tap that. But what I am saying is that I think that there's a lot of room for areas of entrepreneurs that maybe don't have to go to like a psychiatrist or psychologist, that there might be the breakage that is attached to the actual business, not yeah. just maybe your personal, which obviously overflows. Man, this has been this has been awesome, Dave. How do people find you? So I've got a website, Tap Mental, T-A-P-M-E-N-T-A-L dot I-O. There's a book a call mm -hmm. on there, 30-minute breakthrough. Again, it's all about networking. If there's a connection, great. If not, you'll be on my system for someone to send a Christmas card to because our network's our net worth. Very cool, man. Very cool. And they can find you on uh, Facebook as well. I'm on Facebook. Most of my activity is going to be on uh, LinkedIn and I'm on Instagram a little bit more than Facebook. Um, but I probably should play that game. I just haven't had, I've had a lot more activity. I've got, you know, a videographer will put in video content on LinkedIn, uh, two or three pieces a week. That's another thing I learned a long time ago. My three-step process, conscious awareness, hypnosis, repetition. I've got videos all about that all over LinkedIn on how to do it. I'm giving it away. Like, most people are like, hey, how do you help me do that? That's when it comes into play. But it's I'm not reinventing the wheel. The stuff's been around since the book Thinking Rich. Law of Reparosity. It's awesome. Well, thanks a lot, man. You've been an amazing guest. I appreciate you coming on the Moved Entrepreneurial Evolved podcast. Thanks a lot, brother. I'm really Thank glad you, I had man. you. Appreciate it. And so everybody else out there, this does wrap up another podcast episode. This one was amazing. If any of you guys want to look at other podcasts, another awesome person is Sierra Lewick. You can go back and look at those episodes as well. She has her story, which was awesome. Thanks a lot, guys, for joining us another day and another dollar at Moved Entrepreneurial Evolved. Thanks a lot. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.